All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. I feel like I'm a little too loud. Am I too loud? How does it sound to you? It sounds really loud to me. Yeah, too loud. All right. Good to see you guys this morning. Welcome this morning to New Life Church. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles uh, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Gospel of Luke chapter 2. While you're going there, I'm going to read out of Psalm 143. Uh, one of the verses that kind of sets the uh, direction for this particular series that we are in. Uh, look at this. It's Psalm 143. It'll be on the screen. Uh, I don't know. If, can you see that? Well, there you go. All right. Psalm 143, verse 10. It's a psalm of David. He says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward. Can you say, lead me forward? He says, may your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer over his word today. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for what you have to say. I know sometimes we don't always catch it. We don't always listen. But in these next few minutes, I pray that you would help us to hear and help us to listen, and help us to grasp what it is you want to speak to us today. Help us to understand it, help us to have faith with it, and then strength and grace to walk it out in our life. We look to you today, we honor you today, and we are thankful for your presence in our life today. I ask that you would help me to minister your word, Lord, in a way that would bring you great honor and would bring all of your people great help. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone can say amen. And amen. We're continuing on with our series for the month of January uh, called Unstuck, Moving Forward into the New Year. And this particular verse here in Psalm 143, give you kind of a quick background to this. It's a prayer of David's. David had, he was already established as the king in Israel. And he, he prays this prayer in Psalm 143 and at a time when the conditions all around him were not that great, uh, he was in the midst of a rebellion that was coming up against him. And he prays this prayer at a time when he perhaps just did not really feel it. He just didn't really feel like it. And yet he was still the king, and people still looked to him, and he still had to, had to do his thing, but he just didn't feel it. And he was exhausted. So the conditions all around him were, were let's just say, stinky, and the way he felt at the time was just uh, exhausting. Anybody ever feel like in life sometimes where the conditions in your life are not what you would hope they would be at the moment, Uh, and and it leaves you feeling uh, like, you know, I just kind of don't care right now. I just don't feel it today. I'm not, it's just, I'm not feeling it today. Anybody ever been in that, that place of life before? Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't the only person in this entire place that has ever felt like that. Uh, so, uh, but then also, if, if you've never felt that way, there's, maybe you're feeling that way right now. Or perhaps you will feel that way at some times because life has, has that going. There are seasons of life where the conditions aren't that great. There are situations we find ourselves in that the conditions, uh, I keep wanting to say suck, and so I guess I'll just say suck because that's the only word that keeps coming up in my mind. And um, I'll ask for forgiveness later. 
but the conditions are like that. And, and there are times where you just aren't feeling it, and it leaves you in this place of feeling stuck. And if we stay there too long, then we begin to make our bed in that, and we don't move forward. And David was in that boat. David was in that place. And he went to the Lord, and he prayed, and he asked the Lord, hey, I want to do your will. You're my God, and I need your help. I need your spirit, Lord. If I'm going to move forward and advance and be anything, I've got to have your spirit here doing its work in my life because I can't stay like this forever. I get the conditions. They are the way they are, but as, as for me, I've I got to get out of this thing. I've got to move on. I've got to advance. And he prayed that honest prayer as we opened up our service today as Thomas uh, admonish us to be honest with Jesus, to be honest in our relationship with the Lord, that that's what he wants. And when we're honest with him and we see the reality of our situation, but yet we're honest about how we feel the Lord, that's when the Lord's power and the Lord's grace and the Lord's might comes into our life in such a supernatural way that gives us strength and gives us ability to become unstuck and move forward in our faith. And that's where David was. I've titled today's message, The 20-Mile March. The 20-Mile March. I get the title of this message from a story that was uh, written by author Jim Collins in his book called Great by Choice. And it's about these two people and these two teams, Robert Scott and Roald Amundsen, who wanted to be the very first people to reach the South Pole. It was a long time ago in 1911. Robert Scott and Royal Amundsen set out in 1911 to be the first two teams to ever reach the South Pole. Uh, it was a 1,400-mile journey. And here's the thing about, about the two different teams and two different leaders of these teams. Amundsen spent several years preparing for this trip, preparing for this journey, gathering more supplies than perhaps were necessary, thinking through all kinds of worst-case scenarios, and even living a period of time with the Eskimos to kind of see how they would move around in sub-zero temperatures, sub-zero temperatures. If we think today is cold here, that's really cold there. Scott and his team, though, Scott didn't pack as many supplies. He had a larger team, and he didn't... He didn't um, uh, lead his team kind of on a plan. He more or less relied on intuition. And Amundsen and his team uh, prepared, and they, they prepared a course that every day they were going to march 15 to 20 miles every day, no matter the conditions and no matter how they felt. Scott and his team would march further some days and not march at all other days, based on the conditions and not a plan. Well, Amundsen and his team were the first team to actually arrive on time, and they actually won that race. Scott and his team, unfortunately, they all perished. They all died. Not one of them made it. This story has, has a lot of angles to it. One of the angles that we'll go with today is you know, our life is a journey. Their journey was 1,400 miles. Our life is a journey every day with God. It's a march in faith with God. And unlike Scott and his team who did not reach their intended destination, 
Amundsen and his team, they conquered those 1,400 miles because they chose every day, we're going to march 20 miles every day, no matter what the conditions are like and no matter how we feel. We're going to get up and we're going to do something today. They were prepared. They had supplies. They were, they were aware of the reality of their situation. They understood where they were at. And this whole story relates to our story and our life of faith in that, you know, no matter the conditions, no matter how we feel, because we, can, we know how we feel at, uh, at times, we've got to be prepared. We've got to have the right spiritual supplies in our reservoir. We've got to be aware of the reality of our situation. It doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to it and hope it goes away. We've got to be willing to face what's in front of us. Because and, and, and decide every day we're going to march forward what we have set out to do. You know, to have a successful life journey, we've got to be consistent in our daily march. That we don't just reach the end just because the end's out there and we know it's out there. We reach the end successfully because of what we do every single day. Life is made up of so many different moments. And it's what we do with our everyday moments in faith, in our walk with God, that will determine the outcome of our ending. And the Lord obviously wants every single one of us to join him. He wants us to make it to the finish line. He wants us to arrive at the end of our course, at the end of our race. Like Paul tells us in, in Philippians, he, late in his life, he's like, look, I, I, there's a, I, I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my race. Now it's time. I'm done. I know it's over. I did all that I knew I could do every single day. So we have these days, though, where, we, where the conditions freak us out. The conditions wear us out. The conditions of life, they're not what we had dreamed up for them to be. So what do we do? And then it, we have this side of us that our feel side, all up in our feels. What do we feel like? And most of the time, if it were just really up to how we felt, we probably wouldn't do as much as we normally would do. We wouldn't pray. We wouldn't get in the Word. We wouldn't come to church. We wouldn't get around other believers. We wouldn't tell people our problems. We wouldn't confess our sin. We wouldn't, we wouldn't share burdens with other people because of how we feel. And if, if we're going to have a successful life journey, it's all about the daily marches. And that's why I like this, this part of this story in Luke chapter 2, where you should be by now. We covered the very first half of this portion in Luke 2 uh, last week uh, with a message called Triple A. Triple A. You can go back and listen to that on our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. Sermons, pull it up, it's right there today. We're going to cover the last few verses in this chapter. And I just want to look at this in, the, in kind of through the lens that the latter part of this story really kind of gives us some things to consider. And I just want to share three thoughts uh, that the latter part of this story gives us that can assist us in our daily march of faith in the Lord. You guys ready to get into this? Verse 48 Jesus, let me just catch you up real quick in case you missed it. Don't want to read back over it. Jesus is about 12 years old. His, Joseph and Mary, his parents, they, 
take this annual trip to Jerusalem for this uh, holy festival called the Passover festival. They went, they did it, and they were all going home. They traveled in caravans back then. Large groups of people would wander and walk together, and they, his folks were headed back home, and they realized Jesus didn't, didn't join them to go back home. He stayed back. They didn't know he stayed back. They looked for them, looked for him, asking where he was at. Finally, they go back to Jerusalem. Three days later, they find him. He's in the church, in the temple, talking with all these religious leaders, asking a lot of questions, and his folks find him. Verse 48, it says his parents didn't know what to think as they saw their son sitting there asking these questions and listening. His, the, his mother said, son, why have you done this to us? You freaked us out. I'll say that. Your father and I have been frantic, as she said, searching for you everywhere. And here's what he said, verse 49. Why did you need to search? He said, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Verse 50, but they didn't understand what he meant. The first thought I want to toss out to you guys today is this, is make the Lord's house a regular stop weekly over the course of this year. Make the Lord's house a regular stop. When you're on a journey, you've got to stop. Whether it's hiking, whether it's driving, whether, whether it's biking, whether it's running, whatever, there are stops along the way for you to recoup, for you to refresh, for you to catch your breath, and then to move on. Every week, make the Lord's house a regular stop on your journey. Jesus told his parents, hey, why, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know this is where I, I'm supposed to be? This is where I must be, right here in my Father's house. You know, here's the thing. In God, it's God's house. Think of it like this. It's God's house, church, where the church gathers, where the people of God gather, whether it's in a home, whether it's in a place like gym, whether it's in a traditional church building, or whatever it might be, it's God's house, and God invites us in every single week. He invites us over to his house every single week. He invites us in so that we can experience his love for us through his presence. He invites us over and into his house so that we can hear from him through his word what he wants to speak to our life that will ultimately help us. He invites us over to his house and in, into his presence where, he's, where he is at so he can encourage us through the body of Christ. Where we can be reminded that, hey, we see you, we hear you, we're with you, we're praying for you, whatever it might be. He invites us into his house to, to help us to grow in, in our gifts through serving other people. He invites us into his house to challenge us to trust him when we give to him in our tithes and our offerings. He invites us into his house so that we can unload our burden to him in exchange, have his grace and his peace reign and rule in our life. He invites us into his house to connect with him, ultimately. And every week, he invites us together. The church gathers together, and it should be a regular stop in our journey. You know, he's here every time. He's not saying, hey, come to my house, and, um, and maybe, maybe it's kind of like this. You, let's say you got a friend, and 
and your friend says, hey, let's, let's get together this weekend. Come to my house. We're going we're gonna to do whatever. So you get up, you go to their house, you knock on the door, and they don't answer because they're not home. You're like, well, maybe I got my days and my time's all messed up. So you text them or whatever, and they're like, oh, no, I, I decided to leave. I, I just didn't want to hang. So they, so it's like, okay. So the next week, they're like, you know, for real, this time I'm going to be at home, come over to my house, and here's what's going on. We'll do this. And you get up, you go to their house, you knock on the door, and guess what? They didn't answer because they're not home. And I, you're like, two times. All right, you text them, you call them, you're like, you're pretty irritated this time. You're like, yeah, you know, I just, uh, I wanted to do something else. So I just left. Like, okay, okay. We're still friends, right? We're cool, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but I tell you what, next week, come over. I went to the grocery store. I got some stuff. I know you like it. I like it. It's going to be good. We're going to hang. So you're like, okay, for real. I'm going to go over. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. You get out. You go over there. You knock on the door. They don't answer the door because they're not home. Pretty soon, they're not, they're, you're not going to be friends because you're getting tired of going to their house every time they ask you to come over, and every time you go over, they're not home, right? God doesn't play like that. Every week, God invites us into his house, and guess what? We just walk on in, and he's here. He is always in his house. In fact, in Matthew chapter 18, he's teaching his disciples. He said, look, every time two or three of you get together in my name, boom, I show up. That's all it takes. This couple of you get together in my name, and my presence is there. And I think we got more than two here today. In fact, there's never been a time where we've not had more than two. There might have been a few Sundays where I thought, are we going to have more than two? And Yeah, and we always have more than two, thankfully. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. He, he reminds us as he invites us that, look, you don't have to worry. When you come to my house, I'm always going to be there, and my fridge is always stocked. My pantry's always full. My casa, mi casa is su casa. My house is your house. You come to my place, I'm, gonna sh I'm, I'm there. I'm always there, and I always have what you need. I always have what you need. I will always get to you what is best for you when you come over and come in to my house. We need to have faith that when we come into God's house that we will meet with him because he wants to meet with you. That's why, that's why part of our practice of, of, of our gathering as a church body corporately is about singing. It involves praying. It involves the teaching of the word. It involves the fellowship together. It involves the serving aspect together, the giving components. All of that goes in because it's all about connecting points with the Lord. And there's so much from him that we so need from him that there is not one thing that he has that we could ever exhaust. That there is so much depth to God. He's so vast, so big, so incredibly large that we can never exhaust knowledge of him or anything that he has that he wants to put into our life. And he invites us over to his house every week. And so every week we need to expect and we need to pray that we would have this indelible mark of the Holy Spirit in our life every time we come and every time we leave.
that every time we come to church, we should expect and we should pray and ask the Lord, today, I need you to impress on me what it is I need. I know what I think I need, God, but you really know what I really need, God, and I need you by your spirit to impress on me, to leave a mark on me that will change me, that will help me, that will remind me on Thursday after this blow up at work and after this traffic jam and after these things happen at my kids' school or whatever went on in my life, that I am reminded that your mark is on my life and I won't forget who you are and that I can't wait until Sunday when we can come to your house again. Now, it doesn't mean that Sunday is the only day you and I ever talk to God. All right, so don't get super religious on me in that, in the sense that you got to wait till Sunday in order to connect with the Lord. It's an ongoing, everyday relationship with God, but there is something special when we set aside a certain period of time and stop at God's house. Side note, we need to put this stop in our week as we march throughout our days. Because here's the thing, we go, through, we go to a lot of places during the week. Our feet travel a whole lot of ground. We can be all over the place. Some of us can be only in Madison County. Others can be in five counties. Some can be in another state. In fact, I was talking to one of our leaders this morning. And they said, I was in two states, three states last week. Flew to one, flew back, drove to one, drove back, crossed some serious ground. Our, our feet go to a lot of places And there is always one place we need to make sure our feet stop at, and that is in God's house. We need to have this thought, this this mindset like Jesus had at 12 with his parents, and he said, didn't you know that I must be here? I must be here in my Father's house. I must be here. In my father's house. Now, the side note I I was going to get to, in verse 50, it said that his parents did not understand what he meant. There will be people in your life that just don't understand that you really want to be in God's house. Maybe you've got family members that just don't get it, that why you go to church every week, why you show up every week. Why, why do you go there every week? Wouldn't it be more convenient to go to this other place every week? Why, do you, why are you a part of that group every week? Maybe, you, maybe you're, you're married and your spouse doesn't go to church and you are in this church and you're faithful to the church. Your witness of, to them could be great as you carry on your faithfulness to the church in that, in that sense that, hey, there must be something to this God thing. If every week you get up and you go to church and I stay at home, pretty soon I have the faith and the prayer to believe that you're going to wear them down, and that's going to wear them down. Your example is going to wear them down, that pretty soon they're going to get curious enough to join you at church. And they're going to be like, oh, okay, that's why you go every week, because God is real, and his love is powerful, and he really cares a whole lot about me, because I see it in your walk. I see it in your life. You've probably heard me say this before. It's been a while since I've said it. But when I was a kid, my parents were trying to get into church, and I didn't want to go to church. In fact, I'd wake up on Sunday praying, God, don't let my parents wake up in time to go to church. I didn't even know the Lord. He didn't even hear those prayers because he's like, yeah, it don't work that way. My parents would get up. They're like, okay, let's go to church. And I, didn't, I hated going to church as a kid. I didn't like it. And now look at me. Funny. 
I pastor church. I have to I preach. I get to preach the word most weeks. And I can't imagine now over the last uh, 28 years of knowing the Lord, walking with the Lord, I can't imagine my life not having the church. Me waking up wanting to be in church. Now, let me just tell you this. Sometimes the conditions aren't favorable and I ain't feeling it. And I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to preach today. I don't feel like it. But let me just say it this way. Every time I haven't felt like it, when I do leave church, I'm more thankful because I came. Even if I did do the preaching, all right? I like my preaching. If a preacher don't like his own preaching, then the people sure ain't going to like their own preaching. Now, I don't like to listen to myself. I'm not like that. But I really believe in what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about, all right? There are going to be people in our life who just don't get it, and the conditions aren't always going to be favorable, and we're not always going to feel like it, but will we make it a regular stop? Will we make it a regular stop? Amen? Second thought, verse 51. It said that Jesus returned to Nazareth with his parents. He said he was obedient to them and went back home and he was obedient to them and his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus went home, went back home. The second thought is this that can assist us in our daily march is this. Make Jesus feel at home in your life and not just a guest. Make him feel at home in your life and not just some guest. Even though you might treat guests well, hopefully so, but make, them fe- make him feel at home. He went back home with them and was obedient to them, and he grew up with them. Here's the thing. Uh, actually, one of our verses from our devotional today in John 14, Jesus was telling his folks, he said, look, telling his, his followers, he said, those who, uh, those who love me will do what I say. In other words, they'll obey me, and my Father and I will make our home with them. So in other words, we say we love the Lord. We're gonna, as, as his power and his grace helps us to walk in obedience to his word, his promise to us is that he will make his home in our life. He will make his home in our life. Because there is a difference between someone who feels at home and someone who is just a temporary guest. Check this verse out in the message, Romans 12. It's on the screen. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes, Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, in other words, all of it, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you. Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, 
God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. To take our everyday, ordinary life, everything about it, from start to finish, from home to wherever else we go and back home, give it to God. Place it before God. God, the way I live today and all that I do, I put before you as worship. Because you do know worship is not about a song we sing. It's about the lifestyle we choose to live. And the lifestyle we're convicted to live by the Holy Spirit before the Lord. And so I put all of this before you. Now, that doesn't mean we're going we're gonna to be perfect at it every day. We're not going to be perfect in our worship before God every day. But what is, what is possible is that we make Jesus feel at home in our life. And know wh- wherever I go, and whatever I'm a part of, he is with me. And he knows it all. He sees it all. But he's not embarrassed by it all. That when we do fall, we do slip, we do make our mistake, we're quick to respond back to him and say, look, I messed up. I ask you to help me, forgive me, I repent, and give me the grace to carry on. And that is the ongoing relationship that the Lord has and can, that we can have with him in our everyday life. Because here's the thing, as, a, as someone who feels at home, is at home in your life and someone who's just a guest in your home, there's a difference. The one who is at home, feels at home in your life, has all access. Has all access. The one who is, who is just a guest... They have to ask for permission. Ask for permission. The one who feels at home in your life, they can go to your fridge, pop it open, grab what they want, don't ask a thing, sit down, eat, drink, whatever it is. Go to your pantry, pull it out, fix it up, make it happen. Uh, sits on your couch, watches TV, sometimes grabs a remote if you've got that kind of relationship going on and can flip it over to whatever, you know, and, and watch. Or they're, they're, uh, Someone who's at home in your life has all access Jesus wants all access. He wants to be able to sit on our couch and be comfortable enough watching what we watch. Jesus wants to sit in our space and be comfortable enough to see what we're putting out on social media. He wants to see what we're putting out on uh, secret text or whatever it might be. He has all access. When we make Jesus feel at home in our life, then he gets all access access to our life. There are no closed doors. There are no hidden agendas. There's nothing shut off that he can't access. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I give you access to my life. Someone who's a guest has to ask for permission to eat your food, take the remote and watch a different TV channel, or whatever it might be, right? But Jesus went home with his parents. He was obedient to them, demonstrating to us that, hey, make him at home in our life and be willing to follow him through it all, through our daily march on this life journey. You guys good? Okay. Talking about living unstuck this year. We're talking about, you know what, where I've been stuck, where I've gotten stuck in the past, I'm not going to repeat and get stuck again And I'm not going to live stuck. I'm going to live unstuck. I'm going to move forward regardless of the conditions of my life. I'm not going to play into that. Regardless of how I feel, I'm going to get up and I'm going to have some, I'm going to march in faith every day with the Lord. This last thought, this third thought that can assist us in our daily march. 
verse 52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and he grew in favor with God and in all the people. Jesus grew up. After this verse, you can carry on in this story. It shows that Jesus is now a full-grown person, and he enters into his ministry around the age of 30. Point being is Jesus grew. Jesus grew stronger. And this last thought is this. Make room for Jesus to grow stronger in your life this year. All of these are about being intentional. If we're going to live unstuck in faith, we've got to be, we have to take our side of ownership, and that is we need to be intentional about it, making room for Jesus to grow stronger in our life this year. But it's about creating space for the eternal things. Creating space in our life for the eternal things. Um, Jesus taught on this. The early church acted on this. And every Christian since then should be walking this out. Called to walk this out. We can read about this kind of in detail in Acts chapter 2 when the church first started. In Acts chapter 2. And I've just taken the liberty. I kind of summed up three Three things about making room for Jesus this year in our life. The first is this. We're going to make Jesus, make some room for him to grow stronger in our life. Then we need to have a, we need to be committed to having a growing prayer life. Having a growing prayer life. I say growing because we never outgrow praying. You and I, we never get too spiritual to pray. We, ne- we don't reach this spiritual climate, climax and this pinnacle point of faith and like, I don't need to pray anymore. I'm so close to the Lord, I don't need to communicate. That's not how it is. And, and we, we don't outgrow prayer either because we're, we're, not, we're not less spiritual that says you don't deserve to pray. You don't have, we don't have that going on either. And all of that makes us all the more in a place we need to approach the Lord. A growing prayer life. Prayer is to the soul what sleep is to the body. Replenishing, rejuvenating, and it's necessary for us to grow in the Lord, for the Lord to grow stronger in us, we need to be committed to having a growing prayer life. Doesn't mean you're going to pray like other people. Doesn't mean you're going to try to be like somebody else, someone you admire, someone is an example to you. You might. Bottom line is that you're committed to have an ongoing relationship with Jesus and you commit your life to pray and to talk with him and to He's involved in every component and every aspect of your life. I have, in the last few couple of years, have discovered the Lord has opened my eyes to see that I don't need to like put off all of my thoughts and my prayer requests and, and, and petitions to like a certain day of the week. Like I'm going to build that day and that day is going to be the day that you and I, you know, conversate and talk and it's not that I didn't have any talking with him prior to that it's just I had 
kind of gotten in a place where I lived to where in my faith where I thought I, I would just put all of these things in one on one day and we would kind of work through them together and what he really what he opened my eyes to realize is look I'm not strong enough or smart enough or good enough to put problems and burdens off to another day when it's bothering me today when it's worrying me today, when it's hammering my life today, when it's crushing my soul today, when it's depleting my strength today. He wants me at that moment of weakness and and unanswered questions and having no resolve to come to him and say, it's today at this moment, whatever day of 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 the day, whatever time of the day it is, talk with the Lord. Friday, end of the week, and did not feel as accomplished this past week as I did the week before. The week before, I felt like the wind was at my back, and I was just, man, I could sail the whole seas. This week, I felt like the wind was in front of me, preventing me from moving forward. I don't have an answer for that. It's just the way life is. Obviously, I wouldn't plan it that way. I would always plan for my sail to be open and the, and the wind to be always at my back to gain the most ground. Absolutely. But guess what? Faith, life, it's not that way. We have to learn how to deal with when it's going good and when it's not going good. And so I had to take a moment Friday night. I had to go into my closet and just sit for a minute tell the Lord you know I got a lot of these a lot of things going on and I got next week I'm thinking about got by the way um, most a lot of you might remember and know who but brother Ronald Darnell Miss Sarah and Ronald Darnell brother Ronald passed away the end of this last week uh, about with uh, some blood clot complications and things. And his funeral is going to be this coming Friday at 2 o'clock. We're going to make a post on our uh, Facebook page for our church family. But I had that on my mind, thinking about Miss Sarah and the family, thinking about Sunday, thinking about next week and different things that the Lord that I'm responsible for. And I just kind of got overwhelmed. And just kind of, I got my, my kids are waiting on me in the other room. We're supposed to chill for a little while tonight and I'm like man I'm in here burdened I'm in here worried I'm in here thinking about all these different people and about all these different things and finally I was like I gotta talk to you God so I just excuse myself go to my closet for a minute and I tell the Lord all about my problems and I just say all I really need is peace I don't want to be frustrated I just need peace I left it and I went on and I had his peace I can't ex- I can't tell you just some like it there wasn't like the cloud split and the sun came in at nighttime and shone in my closet you know it wasn't like an angelic being s- slipped in it was just me and the Lord and I shared he heard and I was good that's how relationship with God with God works He hears. He knows. Growing prayer life. Because I used to be like, in the morning, we're going to talk about that. And the rest of the night, I'm all flustered and frustrated and 
anxious and worried and can't enjoy myself and get up early. And the more I'm going to get up early, Lord, tomorrow we're going to talk about this. And he's like, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Why are you putting off my help till tomorrow when I can help you now? I hope this helps somebody. We probably would find ourselves not having relational conflicts as much if we just took a little time to pray. And I'm not saying that in condemnation, like slapping you with the condemnation stick. I'm just saying most of our issues stem from not praying first. Secondly, you're doing good, by the way. Thank you. Have a consistent devotional life in the Word. We're all going to be in different seasons of life, all different types of seasons. I just want to encourage you in this. Find a pattern in the season you're in to get into God's Word consistently. Whatever season, you might be super crazy busy right now with about five kids to raise and 16-hour job shift or whatever it might be. You might be in school. Whatever you're in, find a pattern that works for you that will get you consistently in God's Word. Before facing the world, we need to put our face in the Word. Before facing the chaos of this world, we need to put our face in the peace of God's Word. And lastly, have a life that's committed to fellowship. Don't, don't, don't walk alone. Don't be alone. No man is an island. You've heard all that stuff before. It is true. I'll, I'll go on the record and say this. Without true biblical fellowship, one cannot grow strong in Christ. I'm not talking about if you're like, you know, banished to a deserted island or something. I'm talking about in general life. Jesus always had a circle And we need a circle of fellow Christians in our life. We need a circle of Christians who will challenge us. We need a circle of Christians who will encourage us. We need a circle of Christians whose life will convict us. We need a circle of Christians who will be there and walk with us. We need a circle of Christians who will hear us and pray with us. We need a circle of Christians who will share things with us. We need a circle of Christians that if it calls for it, stomps a mud hole in us. We live in a, I'm offended by the way you looked at me, society. Everything we wear, everything we say, everything we do seems to offend everybody. But as Christians, we're called to circle one another. And we need that. It needs to be to this place right here. That without the fellowship of the church, we would be left with a huge vacant hole in our life. Leaving us to say, what will I do now? Think about it. The kind of fellowship God calls us to have with one another, that if it didn't exist, it should make us feel like, man, what am I going to do now? I don't feel like I have anybody. That is the kind of impact the local church is called to have on people. The kind of good and wholesome and right presence in other people's lives that make people want to have it more and not less.
Amen? Amen? If you have not experienced that, you're sadly, sadly missing out on all the more of what God has for you. We're talking about living unstuck. Now, worship team's going to come out. Are you already out? Good. They're on it today. Let me ask you to stand. What kind of vision do you want for your life this year? Or what kind of vision do you have for your life this year? Next week, as we end this month and the series that we're in, next week is Heart for the House Sunday. It's going to be a day of vision casting about our church as we look ahead. And we're going to be wrapping up, finishing this 21-day prayer and fast. I encourage you, let's finish this strong. Let's finish this well. And let's finish this praying. God, open my eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, to see this big life journey. As overwhelming as life can be at times, help me to see that it's really made up of daily marches in faith. With you. You're not called to conquer life today. We conquer life one step at a time, one day at a time, one prayer at a time, one faith move at a time. We need his vision, we need his wisdom, and we need his strength for the journey.